In this episode of The Interface, I sit down with Mark Joseph, Business Development Manager for the Amphenol Military and Aerospace Group. Mark is based out of New Jersey and has been with Amphenol for over a year. He and I mainly talk all things Navy, as we exhibited at the FCO West Navy Show in San Diego, California this week. We talk about his work in trying to increase Amphenol's share in the Navy market. We talk about some of his former jobs, specifically at one of our competitors and at one of our biggest customers, made him appreciate the importance of interconnects when designing major weapon systems. We talk about the major differences between the military world and the commercial world, and he confesses that even though he has great respect for the Navy, he does not want to stay overnight on a Navy ship anytime soon. This is The Interface. You and I are in beautiful San Diego, California with the construction going on in the background, but we're doing our first outdoor podcast here. Um, so, and, and you and I are participating in this AFCA West show this year, which is, I think, the biggest naval show probably, right, in the U.S.? Yeah, well, the sea, air, and space. Oh, sea, air. Okay. That, that would be probably more the most focus on Navy. Yeah. But this certainly is a, a Navy subject matter. Uh, type of event. What do you like about this event? Well, it, it has a variety of OEMs, yeah. large potential customers for us, and also has a smattering of competitors' products, so you get to see what's going on on yeah. the competition level, as well as uh, trying to get contacts, point of contacts at shipbuilders and large OEMs like Lockheed or Raytheon. Is, what, what is the biggest challenge for you, then, when it comes to that stuff? Well, it's just... Uh, Getting on the approved vendor list, yeah. I would say, is our biggest challenge right now. Um, getting in front of engineers uh, for design activities and getting our name out for notoriety across various businesses. Yeah. How do you, how do you approach that? So when you have a, a new customer you're trying to get into, and again, without giving away all of your secrets, but <laughs> just in general, when you have that as a task that you're given. How do you go about that and trying to establish those relationships? A lot of it is networking. Yeah. Could be from, let's say, ancillary uh, suppliers of product, like for cable, for instance. Uh, cable manufacturers and distributors, they're interested in selling their cable, might have a, a similar or exact customer base to the shipyards and utilize their point of contacts. That, that's one tact as an example. Mm -hmm. Another would be just to walk into the Ingalls uh, Newport News booth and reach out and say, hey, we want to sell product. We do interconnects and circuit cards, fiber optics. Who would be the best uh, person to contact for that and right. then follow up and get to a sourcing manager, hopefully lead to some engineers. What about Amphenol, you being a part of Amphenol? Uh, how much does that help you in your role when you're trying to get into some of these customers? Sometimes it, it helps a great deal because of the Amphenol name. Mm -hmm. It's been around for ages, and uh, they know Heritage uh, Steadfast Connector's been around for 50 years. Um, and other times, it really hasn't helped. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on the the OEM itself and who you're dealing with in age. Yeah. Uh, if you're dealing with a young engineer, um, they may not have much experience at all for interconnect and right. they'll pick something off the internet. Right. Right. And, and yet, yeah, no, that's a good point. And, and, um, 
especially with the way that our company is, as far as being very decentralized, that um, there's so many different Amphenols to know. So, um, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so there's, you know, oh, Amphenol, well, which one of the 123 or however many it is? Uh, I just uh, had a, a, a potential opportunity, and they're using industrial base 5015 connectors. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to sway them into more of the, the military uh, type of product for 5015s. I don't know if they're going to mate or not compared to the equipment they have. Right. So that in itself is a little bit of a chore on a new design. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know if I answered your question or not. <laughs> no, I, I <laughs> forgot. <laughs> We're getting distracted out here, but <laughs> yeah. in a good way. I mean, we are in San Diego and looking yep. at the, the Coronado Bridge and all that, so it's not a bad distraction. Um, <laughs> but but I, I followed where you were going with it, I think. Um, but you have been working for Amphenol for what, like maybe two, three years now? No, it's uh, November of 18 I started. Okay, so, so it's I'm 15 way off. months. Yeah, okay, so a little over a year. Yep. Where did you come from before? What were you doing before you came to Amphenol? Um, I was with Molex for about five and a half years. The mm-hmm. last two years, uh, they they had gotten out of their Mill Aero product base and mm-hmm. market base, so I got reorged my last two years into consumer and commercial products, and uh, I really didn't like it so much. So I re- reached out to Amphenol, yeah, and uh, they brought me on right away. Uh, it was a a fast tracked uh, interview process. I was really happy with it. Yeah, they. The that's a totally different type of business. Um, very quick lead times and, and developing products to market and and all that. I mean, what are some of the other differences where you didn't like it as much as like the military world? Yeah, it was partly because of management. Uh, they didn't look for insight in the middle ranks as much. Uh, they didn't problem solve. Uh, they only problem solved a particular event, not systemically where you'd have multiple events on issues. You know, a lot of it was shared resources at the plants, mm-hmm. almost all overseas in Asia. Um, and uh, the communication was an issue, even though there was uh, well-written emails, English was spoken, still didn't get the nuances for prototype designs. And that lagged from customer uh, acceptance. And when you when you can't meet a prototype and meet their window, that's a... Uh, a big snag in getting a production order. Yeah. So they're hurting now uh, across the board readily and and got out of the mill arrow market when they had a Coke Industries bought them out. Yeah. So you're a little bit happier being in this industry then. Oh, yeah, much. What do you like about the Navy part of it? Because I know that you focus a lot of your work on on growing the Navy market. Is there something you like about that in particular? Well, it's mostly uh, familiarity mm-hmm. on how they structure uh, projects and programs. I had uh, almost 16 years with Lockheed Martin, and prior to that, G Aerospace, same facility out of uh, New Jersey, in Moorestown, New Jersey. And uh, I got to lead a lot of the development programs my last few years there. And uh, a lot of the similar products that are being entertained now even 20 years later, still were um, in concept phases, I'll say, at Lockheed at some level or mm-hmm. within the Navy ranks. Mm. So uh, I have that familiarity of, you know, where some of these things lie. Uh, doesn't mean we're always going to penetrate and get sales out of it. Yeah. But 
uh, it allows me to at least uh, go in and meet people that would be closer to these uh, special projects, I'll say, special equipment, like XCOM equipment. Mm -hmm. It's built heritage-wise out of St. Indigo's, out of a Navy Air uh, facility, which most people don't even know that they had that function. And uh, uh, different things with the radar, different aspects of how the the radar is managed. And uh, so the program offices... uh, they, they are not uniform. That You might have a technical agent, you might have a program agent and a funding agent, all different. And uh, uh, I enjoy the challenge of trying to find where those mm. entities reside and, yeah. and see if we can penetrate them as a company. How much did you get involved with interconnects at Lockheed? Was it a lot or? Yeah, it was... Um, I'll say on the development projects the last five years, it was over 50% of my time. Oh, wow. Okay. So a lot of it was in fiber optics, Mm -hmm. um, especially products, some RF. But uh, uh, most had to do with, uh, most of the work had to do with corrosion control, Mm -hmm. uh, bonding to ground for EMI, EMC uh, compatibility, and uh, interconnect uh, increasing reliability. When... You know, often I hear from from people at Amphenol that when they're working with um, one of the big OEMs, um, whether it be military uh, or you know the commercial world or something, um, oftentimes I hear them saying, "Yeah, I was working with this customer, and and the connector seemed to be the last thing they thought about in the development of their system." Uh, how much of that did you see, and did you learn fairly quickly then that, oh wow, we really better think about this much earlier in the design process? Yeah, uh, well, that, that's exactly true from my perspective. Uh, the, the way the, the U.S. Navy works, a lot of times they'll buy hardware across platforms, so yeah. they'll have common hosts of equipment like displays and processing and such. So they'll let out a large contract to someone now like DRS mm-hmm. in Johnstown. And so they'll be in charge of designing the equipment, get Navy approval, and they'll pick the interface on the cabinet. And then they got to integrate with associated weapon systems and radars and processors that are bought from other companies that mm-hmm. the Navy did business with. And now Lockheed would have their contract. So that, honestly, they've escalated their integration process at Lockheed, got separate contract awards through the Navy just to make the equipment communicate and talk to each other. So a lot of times they're trying to hook up uh, equipment that won't communicate, like through Ethernet, there's Mm -hmm. late constraints. So they'll look out to companies that, like Amphenol AEPCD, has designed uh, an Ethernet switch, and we were asked to upgrade it for user-friendliness and multi-user level access, and uh, they have information assurance requirements for it. So... Uh, we redesigned the motherboard for that. Now we have a new switch that's just been militarized and tested and hardened to meet Navy standards. And now we have a product to sell them. And uh, we're getting orders now for that switch. And that's an example of an integration issue where they had lent constraints. And now there's enhancements so that we can, that the Navy now can communicate with other equipment yeah. uh, and multiple runs and gives us a notoriety and solution. Yeah, so you've definitely seen the importance. I mean, it looks like 
some others might might not have as far as at a, at a higher level of all these things talking to one another and how how important the connectors are but you're you have certainly seen through multiple experiences that you should probably think about this sooner yep. rather than later there's uh been a lot of issues on the, the aegis platform which is uh probably the most well-known radar system in yeah. the world and uh you know there's uh three ship classes that have that radar and each one has to be integrated and checked out on paper first make sure it could communicate with all that it's supposed to and then they do prototyping and testing mm-hmm. uh, for Lockheed a lot of it's out of Moorestown at production test center or Navy development site uh, it was a ship in the cornfield if you ever drove uh-huh. down the New Jersey turnpike and that's <laughs> run by the Navy but the first implementation of equipment and mm-hmm. software runs are done in that ship in the cornfield and a lot of times they prove out the integration of the system. And so they'll buy cable sets and check it out and look for fixes if they have problems. How often have you been on, have you been on a lot of Navy ships? Crawled around a little bit? I've been on a few. Yeah. Yeah, not, I wouldn't say a lot, but DDG class and CG class I've been on. Yeah. Could you live on one of those? No. <laughs> it's not me. If I was a lot younger and I started out that way, I'm sure I get used to it, but... Three high, three high barracks. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, I was on one for four years, so, well, yeah. Good I, for you. Right down the street. Huh, um, right in San Diego. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was, uh, you get used to it, but you're never completely comfortable going on these things. But it's funny, um, you know, I was on a LSD-47 USS Rushmore here out of San Diego for four years. Man, I mean, I knew of Amphenol, obviously. It was from the Sydney area, so... I knew Amphenol Aerospace for forever, but I never, it never, I never put two and two together in my mind going through these Navy ships. I mean, there's just thousands of connectors everywhere, I mean, everywhere in these ships. And yep. it never dawned on me that half that stuff probably originated from, you know, the town where I graduated from high school. You know, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. Um, but going through there, you get a, you get a total appreciation for, um, What's the best way? Utilizing all of the available space. Is that a good way Correct. of saying yeah. it? Correct, <laughs> yeah. Space constraints, much uh, much needed. Uh, and uh, anytime you can save space, uh, it's well warranted, especially yeah. for, like, shielded cable versus fiber optic. Right. It, it saves uh, in wire diameter and bundle size. Yeah. No, I wasn't just talking about just storing things and... And personnel, I mean, literally, you know, for your connectors, and that's why we have all these right angle things and cable bends and runs and, and all that is because, yeah, you have to maximize every square inch of those ships. Supposedly the DDG class, which is smaller than the CG, right. which are cruisers, um, have over a million feet of cable on a ship. Wow. Yeah, that's, and that's the, a lot. And the total cost of interconnect somewhere between... 11 and 13 percent of the total cost of the ship wow and that's not inside the cabinets that's outside the cabinets right just the cables and everything running through the ship those were what i got out of lockheed years ago so you've developed a pretty good appreciation for this market then over the years just being a part of it yes yeah okay where did now so before then before you were at Lockheed and Molex and all that. What did you study in school before, you know, when you first started? Oh, I, I graduated RIT in Rochester oh, okay. uh, with a mechanical degree. And I took a number of interviews. And at the time, it was RCA. 
Um, honestly, I didn't know what they did there. I knew RCA <laughs> making TVs yeah. and camcorders or, or, you know, sound discs and yeah. CDs at the time was something new. Mm-hmm. And um, I got hired in and I said, sure. And then it took me a few years to realize what they really did because it's so compartmentalized. Um, and they had a contract for integration. It was the heritage of Lockheed Martin. Uh, they had a contract for a production of the radar itself and mm. then the signal process. This is all RCA. And fire control. Yep. Oh, okay. It was all RCA. And uh, eventually they, they worked. Only a few people knew how to make everything work, and that was the system design group. And that was closely uh, controlled, limited access mm-hmm. and such. Um, and so I started to learn more and more over the years of what they did and how mm-hmm. the Navy partook and had their relationship with Lockheed. So is that how you then got into Lockheed is just through that Yeah, it's just transition of buyouts. Okay. So yep. you were up in Rochester having yeah, garbage, that was my garbage first plates job. once a week. <laughs> <laughs> For those who don't know what garbage plates are, look it up. You'll be amazed that people actually eat them, but they are delicious. Um and then you go down to you're down in New Jersey then for the rest of the time. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, I moved to New Jersey and been there ever since. Okay. So what what has been since you've been with Amphenol now for a little over a year, what is it that um you like the most about working for this company? Well, I I really like the the effort to push collaboration. Mm-hmm. So I, I like variety. There's a large variety of interconnect products components from circuit cars to fiber optics and uh, each uh, of these business units have their own sort of way of how they do business in themselves Mm -hmm. and uh, and I've always liked that kind of variety Um, and the collaboration part is a big push that allows uh, these different entities to talk to each other work with each other and try to win a a job yeah and so uh, that's the being on board now, I, I wouldn't have known all that, but I, I really enjoy that part of the, the work in, the, in business. So without getting into specifics as far as numbers are concerned then, over the next few years, what do you think you can look back on and say, okay, I was successful in this job. What would that, what would that entail to be considered uh, doing a successful job? Well, obviously growing the customer base, mm-hmm. the quantity of customers, and uh, the the dollar volume and revenues that's a metrics that we could probably monitor um, readily but um, also the notoriety and and maybe making the business units a little more focused for navy type of concerns and and uh, product developments Um, in fiber optics there's always need to save time and uh, try to make it easier for the uh, trades to do terminations on site, which mm-hmm. is a hindrance right now. Um, the use of RF cable and how to terminate that on site, again, is uh, time consuming and a, a more elaborate process than probably needs to be. We have technologies that could transfer commercially to the military for mm. that. Okay. Um, and uh, just uh, allow engineering to pick up the phone and call someone at Amphenol if they have an issue. Mm-hmm. It seems like uh, the Amphenol name really hasn't gone out into the Navy ranks and for installers and shipbuilders and such. And as we increase notoriety and in our presence to work with them, um, 
uh, it would be nice to be able to be the front runner on solving problems and getting product designed in. Well, Mark, thank you very much. I know, again, we... This is a horrible setting. <laughs> a lot nicer than the East Coast yeah, right now. Yeah, it de definitely <laughs> is. I know there's construction going on and birds flying by us and all that, but a, but a great view here from the San Diego Harbor. Hopefully we have a pretty successful show. Um, talk to some more customers. Now, of course, we have helicopters as we have yeah. the North yep. Island uh, the air base or naval base just across the waterway as well. So I think we're getting audio-wise uh, a little flavor of... <laughs> of everything that's going on so uh but again uh thank you for joining me today um, yep, thank you sure no problem and uh hopefully we have a good show yep all right thanks mark